What's gonna happen tonight? What's gonna happen? We're gonna whoop their up y'all welcome on into the go balls 24 7 podcast alongside ben mckee this is west record coming to you from the tiny hamlet of manhattan right here in new york in the heart of the city where tennessee uh, just uh, i guess been 24 hours or so from now uh, as we're recording this will be in the sweet 16 the vols uh, playing florida atlantic in, in the the sweet 16 game every single person expected right uh, it's not like everybody in this city was wanting duke to come here and then it didn't work out that way that wouldn't have happened you know that obviously wouldn't happen it did happen tennessee Florida Atlantic, not Duke Purdue, Tennessee and Florida Atlantic uh, will be playing tomorrow night uh, around 9.15, 9.20 p.m. Eastern, and that'll be after the Kansas State-Michigan State game. Uh, ben, it, it's it's been an up-and-down season. It hasn't always been the season that uh, Tennessee wanted it to be. It hasn't been always the season that Tennessee fans wanted it to be, uh, but here it is. Here they are. Here we are covering it. Yep, and I think it's very fitting that, that, like you said, we're less than 24 hours away from tip-off and uh, 15 minutes less than 24 hours from tip-off. So uh, this this time tomorrow night, it'll probably be the, the first media timeout, second media timeout, somewhere in there. And I think it's critical for, for Tennessee to get off to a, a fast start tomorrow night, and, and we'll preview the game towards the end of the podcast because we have so much to discuss because you mentioned it being a, a roller coaster of a of a week, it's also been a roller or a roller coaster of a season, is what you said. It's also been a roller coaster of a week, and not necessarily a, a roller coaster in the sense of ups and downs for this basketball team, but a roller coaster in terms of just conversations that keep popping up. It, it, it's been quite the the week for people to to share their opinions and. Uh, for for some strange reason, Tennessee's awesome, terrific, amazing defensive performance against Duke on Saturday to advance to the Sweet 16, that, that has been spun into a conversation by those nationally that it was a dirty performance from Tennessee, and I, I'm just kind of baffled that that conversation has, has popped up because, A, it was the, the same Tennessee – defensive performance the the same style of play that we've seen that we've seen all season long and and like you said it it is against duke and and that's why all the comments have come out of the woodworks but it was the same tennessee performance that we've seen all year long in terms of the physicality like they've played with that physicality in 99 percent 95 percent of every game that they've played this season but it, it certainly feels like because it was against big old blue blood Duke that it's interpreted differently, which is odd because Jay Billis has kind of been at the the center of the conversation this week because of of comments that he has made. Uh, I believe he had comments. I, I could not go back and find a replay, but I saw people on social media discussing that during half times of of other games over the weekend, he was discussing just how absurd the whistle was and and just the fact that Tennessee should not have gotten away with with what 
it got away with against Duke. And, and then on the Colin Cowherd podcast, he was discussing how it was a, a hockey game, not a basketball game. And Tennessee was committing flagrant fouls that were not called, but should have been flagrant fouls. And uh, it, it's just odd to me because when he was in Knoxville about a month, month and a half ago for college game day against Texas, he was celebrating Tennessee's physicality and speaking to, to how well that benefits them and how kind of that's their calling card. But now that his alma mater fell to Tennessee in, in the round of 32, now now it's all, all of a sudden an issue. And then, look, I love Jay Billis. I, I think he's absolutely tremendous at calling games. I think he has great analysis. I think he covers the sport as well as anybody. Advocate for the players. Too. Advocate for the players. But I, I just – I don't get it. A, we, we've seen that this Tennessee team play that style – all season long. There was nothing different. And then B, within that individual game, Wes, I truly, hand to my heart, hand on whatever, I genuinely, in watching the game live and going back and watching the game, there's not a play to me that stands out as Tennessee being dirty. Was Urosh Plavshik a little too aggressive to start the game? Yes, he absolutely was too aggressive, those first two foul calls. And, and even the second foul call when he was boxing out and Kyle Filipowski fl- flopped, I mean, they, even that was kind of a questionable questionable foul but aside from that conversation he was a little too aggressive and and too eager to get going there's no denying that but to sit there and call him dirty that is quite the accusation in in my opinion and I I believe that we as people who cover sports should be slow to call people soft to call people dirty because those words signify something pretty significant and Again, I do think Urosh was a little too aggressive. <laughs> he was ready to go from the jump. But to, to sit there and call him dirty for those plays when I don't recall a single elbow being thrown to the jaw, like I I, I thought that was a little bit too much. And even the Santiago Vescovi one. Like I, I thought Santi was trying to, to, to pick up a, a reach-in foul on the Australian guard from Duke. And, and it was a foul because your hands are a part of the basketball and, and that's why it was called a, a foul, even though we don't see that that often. But to say that it was dirty, like that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, there are levels of what I think are appropriate discourse and, and what are not. And I hope that means something coming for me because I'm someone who will occasionally go on the fringe of that. But I, I, I think there are lines and, and there are levels. And, and, and I don't think... Maybe we've just become, and I've thought about this, maybe we've become desensitized to the physicality with which Tennessee plays the game because it's the game that we cover all the time. That's the way Tennessee plays. And maybe if you want to make an argument, like if you want to, uh, a few years ago, right, with football, Nick Saban saying, is this what we want football to be? If you want to have that conversation about is this what we want basketball to be, I'll listen to it. If Because we've said on this podcast, and I've said it, I know, and written it, there needs to be a conversation at some point about what Tennessee wants Tennessee basketball to be in terms of the style, in terms of the way they play the game, the entertainment value, all these things. But I don't remember, it was a, what, three years ago, three or four years ago, that Virginia wins a national championship playing a, a physical even more like slow paced version of the game than this. I remember a lot of people, myself included saying Virginia is boring. And if you want to make that argument about Tennessee, I don't know that I'll agree with it, but at times 
I might. And I think it's nonetheless a valid argument. I don't remember a lot of Virginia is dirty. I don't remember that kind of stuff. And, and I think that, I mean, when you think of dirty, like you're thinking like the bad boys of the NBA back in the day, the Grayson Pistons, Allen. you're thinking the Grayson Allen type stuff. There, there are, you know, you know, the stuff Draymond Green might does, uh, might do occasionally. The We got the the nut puncher across the state there in, in Memphis who, who has occasionally uh, crossed a line with what uh, some people would call appropriate basketball. But I think what that came down to was a simple fact and that a simple fact, a fact in my opinion. So a simple opinion, let's call it that, that basically what you had was Tennessee did what it had been doing, but it did it to Duke and it ended Duke season. And those two things happening are exactly what caused this to go the way it has. I think it's just that simple. I think there are programs that people are used to seeing in this tournament go far, and and none of those blue bloods really are left. I mean, none of like the you know UCLA. There there are there are some, but the East Coast kind of ones that we're used to seeing, uh, some of the Midwest ones we're used to seeing. They're not in this thing, and that it's not that's not going to make people happy. It's just not, and. and if you want to say that Urosh Plavsic has a reputation and because of that, it makes it worse. If you want to say Urosh Plavsic has some dirty moments, I'll listen. I'll listen. I think there have been times throughout his career where he has done a couple things that he probably shouldn't do. Now, you could call them overly aggressive. You could call them a little mouthy at times. You know, there are things that he does on the court that Rick Barnes kind of is like, I, I don't want to see that. But but I don't know that I would agree that he's a dirty basketball player. I would not agree that he is a hack. That is something I would not say. He has had some moments, and he does have a reputation. I think, and I think this is true, People forget that even in a sport where you see some guys who are big, Urosh Plavsic is enormous. He is seven foot one, two hundred sixty-five pounds, and there ain't fat on that guy. That's a big block of muscle. He hits you. He hits you hard. And there are plays that other people make where they don't have as much force as Plavsic because they're not as big as Plavsic. And I think that that is disappointing. I think the reaction to what Tennessee has done is disappointing. Um, but you know what? Tennessee's not the reason that teams in this tournament are shooting 31% from three. That, that's every team in this tournament right now is shooting 31% from three. Here's a fun fact, Ben. The only team of the four left in this East region that has shot the ball better in this tournament from three than it did during the regular season is Tennessee. And it's by a wide margin. Tennessee has gone up. Everyone else has gone down about eight to 12% on what they did during the season. That, that's like across the board for most teams left in this tournament and teams that are out of this tournament. Tennessee has just played better basketball since this thing started. And it's not about being the best team in the country. It's about being winning the games in front of you when it matters at the end of the year. Like there have been a lot of times where the national champion isn't the best team in the country. There have been a lot of times where the final four has at least a couple teams that aren't maybe one of the five or 10 best teams in the country. That happens. That happens. It's a part of the sport right now. Tennessee is taking advantage of a couple of things 
and its physicality and its age. And in a tournament where people are playing in the mud, Ben, that's exactly Tennessee's game. They're like, you know, what's that? The, the, the line from Tombstone when he's like, I'm your Huckleberry. If you want to play down in the mud, Tennessee's going to be your Huckleberry because they're going to do that about as well as anybody. Yeah, I mean, the simple fact is Tennessee basketball is not dirty. It, it just is not. And Urosh Plashik, if if you're not a Tennessee fan, is very, very, very annoying. He You, you cannot stand him if you're not a Tennessee fan. And even Tennessee fans get frustrated by Urosh at times. Rick Barnes has come out and said, I'm, I'm tired of his antics. Multiple times he has said that. But there there's not a moment unless I'm just completely forgetting about something. And I, I don't I don't think that I am. I've I've been around this basketball team as, as much as anybody that isn't actually a part of the program. I don't remember a single moment in which Urosh did something dirty. Is he too aggressive? Does he go a little too far at times? Yes, but that's not dirty. Dirty is Dylan Brooks. Dirty is Grayson Allen. Dirty is Bill Lambeer just absolutely on purpose loading up on an elbow and sending it into somebody's face. That's dirty. Urosh hasn't done anything like that. Let me know when Urosh taps somebody in, in the man region. Let me know when Urosh purposefully trips somebody like, we saw with Grayson Allen. Let me know when he, like Dylan Brooks, taps somebody in the man region. That that is that is dirty. Yeah, like Urosh is very physical. He's a little too aggressive at times, but that doesn't mean that somebody is dirty. If you if you're not a fan of Tennessee, you absolutely do not like him. Just like Tennessee fans really can't stand Katie Johnson when when Katie Johnson's playing for Auburn and Tennessee's playing Auburn. Like he he is an annoying basketball player unless you are a fan of that team and that's what Urosh is for for other fans. So the fact that they've been labeled dirty is just mind-blowing. Absolutely mind-blowing and, and really the conversation this week is has popped up because it was duke that that is 1000 percent the reason that that conversation is has popped up and there's been a couple of non-duke people that have said things within the media some some national media members who also conveniently have a track record of of coming at tennessee whenever they're, they're given the opportunity to to come at tennessee when it when it doesn't look heinous to do so uh, but aside from that, it's been pretty much Duke people, Duke alums, or or Duke fans. And, and there's a reason for that. And, and you even see Coach K come out and say, hey, I knew that Tennessee's physicality and experience was going to be an issue for, for this team. And he even referenced, I'm paraphrasing, but he referenced John Shire being nervous about Tennessee's physicality and, and Tennessee's maturity and experience being an issue for them. We talked about it on, on the podcast, and you and I are just a bunch of scrubs sitting around trying to, to cover this team as, as best as we can. I mean, it, it was obvious as obvious can be that the physicality – and the experience of Tennessee was going to be an issue for Duke, and it was. And Duke people have have sour grapes because that's how it played out, and, and that they got absolutely bullied in that loss. And, and now they're turning in, turning it into to something it's not. And I, I am very curious, Wes, to see. And and this leads me into the question that I was going to present you with Thursday night. When when and I have a hot take for you, especially you. I don't think it's that hot of a take, but I, I know that you're not going to like the take when when you first hear it. But I I I truly believe it. How is this game going to be officiated? Oh, I've been saying it all 
how is this game going to be officiated? Because if if I'm Tennessee, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I am very, very nervous that the conversation that has been had this week will will lead to a tight whistle. Now, that leads me to my second point. That that is honestly that that worries me more about Tennessee advancing to the Elite Eight than the actual matchup. I think the matchup actually plays in the Tennessee's hand and, and we'll talk about that before we get out of here. But A, I do think the good thing is that this is a tournament game because refs are not as inclined to to call things unless it is absolutely obvious that it is a foul because they they truly do not want to be the ones that determine the game, especially late. I could see a situation where they call a tight whistle early to to maybe set a tone, and then as the game progresses, as it gets late, if it's a close game, they don't they don't want their call to be the difference in the game being won or lost unless it's just an obvious call. I could see them kind of letting letting up. So I do think it's a good thing that it's a tournament game because I, I believe that the refs are less inclined to to blow the whistle but also here's my hot take for you you're not ready for this i promise you it would be a good thing if a guy like pat adams is on the whistle for tennessee because i know i know pat has his moments he's actually one of the best refs in in college basketball statistically and uh, rick barnes said it perfectly the other day and i and i do College officiating and even officiating at the professional level, it gets very frustrating at times. But I do think that because we are emotional sports fans, we do forget how difficult of a of a job it is. It is absolutely a very difficult job. But I and it doesn't have to be Pat Adams. I just think it's funny that Pat Adams fits into the category that I'm going to bring up because there's obviously a stereotype to to Pat Adams and you you tweet out that Pat Adams is is on the call and it's just absolute rage up until tip off I think it would actually be a good thing for a guy like Pat Adams and again I'm not specifically saying Pat Adams I just think it's funny but he does fit the category my point is that it would be good for Tennessee to get two three refs on the whistle that have called Tennessee games this season that have officiated Tennessee this season and realize that no Tennessee's not actually dirty they're just really really physical and teams cannot handle them I think it would be really really a great thing for Tennessee if they get referees that have called Tennessee games this season because they will understand that no I think there's a lot to be said about that I hadn't thought about it in those terms but I do think that is a really good point I've said from the moment that, and it was especially Bills, because there are guys who were kind of, I hate the word influencers, um, you know, like it's kind of like the word entrepreneur. Like I think they're both just kind of dumb words that that uh, I look at you and I go, oh, that's what you do. Um, but no, I, I think that there are people in the game in each sport who their opinions move the needle. They get in people's ear. They kind of drill into your brain a little bit, a little bit. Billis is that kind of Kirk Herbstreit guy who when he says something, people are going to listen. And I think the moment that Billis said what he said, and there have been some other guys out there that have written and said things, um, you know, even a, a couple guys who, who I've known for, for years, you know, guys like, um, guys like Pat Forty, guys like Mike DeCourcy, a lot of these guys um, that, that just don't like the way Tennessee plays the game in, in a lot of ways. I, I, I think the moment those words were said, I went out and I tweeted it immediately and I put it on the board at GoVols 24-7. I said, this game, Tennessee 
it is going to be officiated tightly. This is going to be one of those games, at least early, in my opinion, where a lot of calls are going to be made because now these officials, and they hear things, they got these rabbit ears, right? They hear, they see, they've been sort of called to the carpet, whether fairly or unfairly, about letting Tennessee and you know get away with apparently wielding machetes and chainsaws and massacring poor innocent duke Uh, i think this game will have some moments that will have us roll our eyes doing that Um, but there is one thing after the break that i do want to mention i think it's a it's kind of a smooth transition into the reason why tennessee plays the way that it plays and i it is so simple that I don't know that anyone can disagree with it. Maybe people will. I don't know. I've been surprised before. But before we do that, we're going to step away, pay some bills, listen to some products, services, in-house ads, etc., and then we'll be right back here on the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever product, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break alongside Ben McKee. This is Wes Rucker coming to you from Manhattan, from New York, New York, where uh, Ben and I are sitting here looking out at the, uh, let's see, the the New York Times building. We're sort of across the street from there. I'm just talking about big buildings that people would know. I'm talking about things that people would know, things that people would know. Oh, that's that building. We're in that we're in that part. Yes, next to Times Square. There you go. We're in that part of the and for for the record, I'm saying the big building across the street that has the word on it. That's all I am saying. That's all I'm saying, Ben. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, we are here in New York. How about that? Is that political for you? We are in New York where Tennessee will be playing in the Sweet 16 Thursday night, which is about uh, the game will tip up just a, about 24 hours from the time we are recording this against Florida Atlantic and the winner of that game at Madison Square Garden, the world's greatest arena, the most famous arena in sports. Uh, the winner of the Tennessee-Florida Atlantic game will play the winner of the Kansas State-Michigan State game uh, with a ticket to the Final Four on the line ne- next week in Houston. we got a lot more to discuss about this game, and we'll do that. Uh, after uh, their quick suggestion from our end, a quick request from our end, if you could take about a minute out of your day right now, go in there and rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. We really would appreciate that. Uh, if you're just listening on the website there, go vols 247com That's great. Nothing wrong with that. No wrong way to consume this podcast. What helps out the most those of those, if you go in there on Apple podcast, Spotify, Google podcasts, iHeart, tune in, Stitcher, Amazon, anywhere in the world, you can cast the fine pod. You can find this go vols 247 podcast, but do this for free. We're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. However, since we're doing it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, rate, review, subscribe, and tell your friends, tell people you see around town, tell people you see anywhere else out in the world i love ben i love getting uh the the mentions from people whether it's emails or social media or on the board whatever it is of random places people have told other tennessee fans about this podcast Uh, that's one of the reasons why i say this all the time it is fun uh to hear about tennessee fans talking to other tennessee fans and telling them about this podcast like one time someone's mailman just randomly brought it up there's all sorts of fun stories that we've heard uh so keep telling us those stories those are fun uh, and go tell other people about this podcast. If you're already doing that, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. Ben, right back to business here. Tennessee, the way that it plays the game physically, when you look at a team 
and you look at a team's strengths and weaknesses, what does every coach in every sport at every level want to do? He wants to take the things his or her team does well and accentuate those things, focus on those things. It want, He or she wants to take his or her team and avoid the weaknesses that other teams that they have against other teams. You want to do what you do well and have that be the focus of the game. You do not want to play your opponent's game and you do not want your opponent to expose your raw nerves, your really, really sensitive spots. That is why all you have to do to know why Tennessee plays the game the way it does is to go there for pregame warmups and watch both teams standing there. One team is significantly larger than the other one, uh, and that team is Tennessee. At the college level, this Tennessee team is a big, big physical bunch of dudes. That's what this team is. You saw that against Duke. We've seen that throughout the season. Now in the SEC, there are teams that know how to play against Tennessee. They've been doing this. They got some dudes of their own with big physicality, and they can they can bang a little bit, right? Some of them can go toe-to-toe with Tennessee, or even on a good day, outplay Tennessee in that way. We've seen teams do that. We saw Kentucky do that this season. We've seen teams do that. But uh, teams that have not played Tennessee, you're, uh, the, the teams like, let's say, Duke, uh, don't really know what's about to hit them until they play it. The coach can tell them, you know, that they can hear it from other people in the media. They can hear it from from coaches, uh, other, you know, te- friends who have played against Tennessee before. They they don't know until they play. And when I watched and look, got a good look at that Florida Atlantic team, uh, just kind of walking around seeing those guys uh, – during sort of the Wednesday, you know, shoot around practice stuff that, that, that they do before the day before games here in the NCAA tournament, you saw a young looking basketball team that does not have a lot of size. Now they got two big guys, one really big guy. Um, and those guys look kind of like sec bodies physically, uh, the guards with maybe one or two exceptions are skinny dudes. They just are. They're, they're not as big. And that's probably why they're at Florida Atlantic, if I'm being honest, right? So when you look at uh, – and there's also a lot of young players on that team, by the way. So if this team make it into the Sweet 16 uh, in this transfer portal era, I would be very, very worried about that if I was Florida Atlantic because there's a lot of guys on this team that are young and putting up some pretty good numbers, and that would worry me uh, if I were an owl. Um, but we'll see. We'll, they'll cross that bridge when they get to it. My point was – if you had a team of a bunch of – you had a bunch of guards, you had a bunch of really long athletic dudes or a bunch of shooters, you're going to want to play fast. You're going to want to play that style of basketball. When you have a team that looks like Tennessee's team, especially without Zakai Ziegler in the mix, what are you going to want to do? You're going to want to play a fist fight in a phone booth. That is the kind of basketball you're going to want to play. And I think uh, whoever gets to play their style of basketball tomorrow – has a very good chance to win that game. Now, I think Tennessee could win a game against Florida Atlantic playing the game the way Florida Atlantic wants it played. But I know for certain Florida Atlantic will not beat Tennessee in the kind of game Tennessee wants to play. So if Florida Atlantic wants to have a chance, it's going to have to get out in space. It's going to have to take advantage of those opportunities when Tennessee sends three or four guys to the offensive glass. It's got to get those rebounds, get the kick out, and go the other way. It's got to force turnovers. It's got to push the pace. That's how the Owls have a chance. Yeah, and and I I do want to get this out there before a potential Tennessee loss. Uh, Not saying that I think Tennessee will lose because I 
I think Tennessee will win. I actually like this matchup for Tennessee. I like the matchup against all three teams that Tennessee could potentially face this weekend. I think Michigan State, Kansas State, and Florida Atlantic, from a stylistic standpoint, I think it all plays into to Tennessee's favor, quite frankly. Um, but I, I do want to get this out there before a potential Tennessee loss. Yes, Tennessee losing to Florida Atlantic would be very, very disappointing because Tennessee is a better basketball team than FAU. FAU really, really good, but it wins. yes, they're they're a really good team. But Tennessee's still better. They are. They're, there's no bones about that. Tennessee is a better basketball team. They are. But like I just said, and and like Wes just shouted, they're a good team too. Like they they're this isn't losing to Florida Atlantic in football. It, it, it's not. Pe- people need to separate the, the, the two sports here. In my opinion, FAU is as worthy of an opponent as Memphis was, would have been. Obviously, FAU beat Memphis. I think FAU is just as worthy of an opponent as Purdue would have been. So my point is that like there's this conversation of, Oh, the the bracket has opened up for Tennessee and and this and that. I don't think that's the case. I I think it's kind of the the same. I I think FAU is equal, if not better than, Memphis and Purdue. So, again, it'll be very frustrating if Tennessee loses because you have a great opportunity to make it to the Elite Eight because you are, are playing a team that stylistically plays into your favor and you're better than but I, I don't want this narrative to, to be out there that, oh, the bracket opened up in Tennessee's favor and, and Rick Barnes couldn't take advantage and this and that. Like, that's not – it will, but those people will just be showing that they don't know what they're, they're talking about because the bracket did not open up in, in Tennessee's favor. I actually think that you can make a case that FAU – like, you'd rather play Purdue – or Memphis. Purdue's, Purdue's not good. They have Zach Eady. They they really, really struggled the second half of the season. They have a ton of non-athletic perimeter players that Tennessee would have eaten alive. Eady would have been a problem. Obviously, seven foot four behemoth. But uh, aside from him, very one-dimensional. And Memphis, very one-dimensional. Kendrick Davis, stick Jemai Meshack on him, rotate Santi and Josiah, and some of those other guys on him from time to time, and not saying that you're going to shut Kendrick Davis down because he's a, a really good basketball player, but they're kind of a one-dimensional team that only relies on Kendrick Davis. FAU doesn't rely on one player. So, again, we talked about this earlier in the weekend, I believe. Don't be distracted by the name on the jersey. Yes, Tennessee should win, and it'll be very disappointing if they don't because they are the better basketball team, but... Tennessee can't show up thinking that they're going to win this basketball game and and that alone will be the reason, and they don't think that. But FAU is a very, very, very worthy opponent, and this conversation about the bracket opening up, and I haven't seen a ton of it, to be honest with you, but just trying to get ahead of it, that's not the the case. The bracket did not open up for Tennessee because Purdue and Memphis would have been equally – as talented opponents, if if not a little worse than FAU. But uh, I, I'm very interested to, to see how this game plays out. I, I think it's very vital for FAU that they hit some threes early in this basketball game. Uh, and 
to me, they, they have to get to double digits in order to win this basketball game. They have to make double-digit threes to, to win, and that, that's a matchup that's going to be interesting. Tennessee ranks number one in opponent three-point shooting percentage at 26.4% per game. That's what teams are shooting against them, uh, and you would think that that's not good news for an FAU team that was 25th or at least enters this game 25th in the country in in three points percentage or not three point three point percentage but uh 37.2% of its points come from three which is 25th uh in the country so they they rely heavily on the three ball and, and then they they rebound the ball well which I, I think that plays in the Tennessee's favor i would be very they may rebound the ball well but they haven't rebounded against tennessee like i would be very surprised if tennessee does not win the rebounding battle it's just the that that's the difference in leagues right there that that's the difference in in level of competition i would be very surprised if if tennessee does not win uh, the the rebounding battle. So the the things that FAU does really really well, Wes, plays into to Tennessee's favor, which is which is why I think that that Tennessee will win this basketball game, and, and the matchup plays into its favor. I think the bigger issues are not issues, but the bigger questions and and storylines are are kind of stuff that has to do with basketball, but also doesn't have to do with basketball. It's kind of the the X factors. Uh, and the peripheral kind of stuff like the atmosphere and, and the going into the game conversation, like we talked about earlier, the the referees, like how, how is Tennessee whistled after all of this conversation? I think that's a big factor. But the other thing that I'm getting to is I don't think that FAU realizes what they're about to walk into. They, they are very, very confident. You you had their, their Russian center, and forgive me for not knowing his name off the top of my head, but he, he was telling not their only Russian guy, uh, who's been pretty solid for them uh, this year. He he was talking to Knoxville Media today in, in the open locker room and, and said, hey, I, I kind of see them doing some dirty things on tape. Uh, and, and then you had the – the Australian rugby comments from FAU coach Dusty May, and, and I don't think he meant any ill will by that. I I, I thought that was kind of tongue-in-cheek and, and just having a good time, but you also did poke the bear by making that comment, and, and why poke the bear unnecessarily? Like that, <laughs> like that, I just don't, I, I you, you just don't win anything. You may win some retweets and likes by people who don't like Tennessee and, and Duke fans that are pissed off by how they lost to Tennessee, but you're poking the bear, even if unintentionally, you're still poking the bear, and, and their players have, have kind of picked up on that. Uh, their forward, Giancarlo Rosada, uh, we're bringing our hard hat, which you have to, but he said, we know Tennessee is physical, but we ain't worried about that. We'll be ready to compete. Uh, the, the guard, Nick Boyd, uh, everybody has been calling our phone asking if we're ready to bang with Tennessee. That's going to be the challenge. We're a smaller group, but we've got heart. I, I and and that comment doesn't bother. No, it it doesn't. I, I actually kinda like that. But it just it ties into the larger conversation of and they should be confident. They're in the sweet sixteen. They're a good basketball team, but the, the the word out of the the FAU locker room today was that 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 they were very very confident and, and kind of dismissive of just how physical Tennessee is and I don't think they know what they've signed up for uh, with, with the matchup that they've drawn here in the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, I think 
I, I got the impression, and I'll say this too, you don't ever go 33-3 and three as a basketball team. I don't care what level. I don't care what conference. You do not go 33-3 and three without being a confident bunch and without being a good basketball team, if we're being honest. Uh, and I think at this point, maybe they know they're playing with house money. Maybe they they feel like, well, we got to feel like we belong, right? We're in this stage. Like we 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 got to. There's 16 teams that could play a national that could win a national title. We're one of them. So let's act like it. I, I don't hate that, uh, but I think maybe that's more of a productive thing internally uh, than it would be uh, outside of that situation. Uh, but I, I think Josiah Jordan James as he pretty much always does, said it really, really well uh, on Wednesday when he said, you know, those guys have won 33 games. They have every right to think they're going to beat us. They're 33-3. and He said that several times. Like, guys, they're 33-3. and Like, they should feel like they have the right to beat us. They should feel like stepping on the court that they can beat us. He said, now I think that we can beat them. And that's how it goes. But I... I did get the the impression that it can only mean sort of one or two things. Either Florida Athletic is the smartest dudes in the room and they know something that we don't, or number two, they have no idea what in the hell they're walking into. That It's one of those two things because I don't want to say that that was an arrogant bunch. I don't think that's the right word. I, I think they're just a really confident bunch and kind of laid back about this thing. Now, maybe that's where their headspace needs to be, right? Urosh Prosich is a guy, when you talk to Rick Barnes, he says, listen, I know Urosh does things sometimes that drive me nuts, but like he's a guy who has to be kind of plugged in and amped up to go play a game. That's when he feels like he plays his best, and he's probably right about that. So you have to act a certain type of way and feel a certain type of way to be your best. So they should feel confident. They're a Sweet 16 team. Just like Tennessee, four games away from a national championship, right? They played 36 games. They've won 33 of them. They're a good basketball team. I just think there is a chance that they don't know how rough things uh, physically are going to be. I think they'll get an idea pretty soon, no matter what, because there have been teams this season, there was one assistant coach who, who I've talked to that basically said, like, you can beat Tennessee, but – they're still going to beat you because they're going to, they're going to beat on you. They're going to hurt you a little bit. They're going to be physical and your team's going to be a little bit sore. <laughs> that That's how it goes against Tennessee. That's just the way that they play the game. So, and they're big dudes. I think for me, Ben, it comes down to two things. I think Tennessee can win this game without doing these two things. But I think if Tennessee does these two things, it absolutely wins the basketball game. Number one, live ball turnovers. Don't have live ball turnovers. That is what, could get this thing going. You know Kansas State and Michigan State fans who are here would much rather play Florida Atlantic than Tennessee for a shot at the Final Four. So whoever wins that game, their fans are staying, and they're going to be cheering on Florida Atlantic. That's just going to be the case. I'm telling you right now. Uh, And some of the teams that lost, they might say, you know what? Screw it. Our team's lost. But let's see a number nine seed go win this whole thing. That'd be kind of awesome. So there will be – a lot of people who temporarily turn into owls tomorrow in that building. That's how it's going to be. But number one, live ball turnovers. Number two, free throw shooting. If this team makes its free throws and this team avoids live ball turnovers, this team wins this basketball game, in my opinion. Yeah, I think so too. And and the good news is that they, they seem to turn a, a bit of a corner at the free throw line against Duke. 
they, they made free throws to, towards the end of that game. I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but they, they did a good job of late game execution. And, and that's something that I've been harping on for weeks here on the podcast. They, they did that uh, against Duke. I, I really do believe that FAU is being arrogant. I, I think that is the right word to use. They, they are confident, as they should be. They are a really, really good basketball team. But to me, there, there's obviously a difference between confidence and arrogance. If, if they were strictly confident, I don't think you'd see comment after comment after comment after comment kind of come out this weekend. And I don't think anything has been egregious like they, they, they've they're not on their dylan brooks just saying absolutely outrageous things left and right but they're poking the bear they are and i we got to see 15 minutes of shoot around today and the moment i walked out to, to shoot around because i i i wasn't the only one obviously there's an army of people covering tennessee here but I, I, I think I was by happen chance the one of the first people to to tweet out the comment of, we ain't worried about the the physicality or or whatever. And somebody within Tennessee's program saw that tweet and said that it that told me that my, he he had sent my tweet around in the group me to all the players like, hey, this is what they're thinking of you, and said that it was going to be posted to to where everybody would see it up until tip off. So, again, I don't think that there's been any egregious comments. I, I think they are a very confident – FAU is a very confident group, as they should be, but I think they've been borderline arrogant because they beat a 16 seed in Fairleigh Dickinson after needing a last-second shot to, to knock off Memphis. That's how they're in the Sweet 16. I think they're feeling themselves a little too much, and, and – Again, nothing egregious, but they have poked the bear when they did not have to poke the bear. They are very, very aware of Tennessee, that is, is very, very aware, as I just described. They're very aware of the comments that have been been made all week. Just being around them in the locker room today and in the tunnel and listening to them communicate amongst one, one another uh, in or on the floor during shoot-around, there were a lot of jokes uh, about the Australian rugby. There were a lot of jokes uh, about playing dirty. I heard one Tennessee player, uh, and I, I thought this was absolutely hilarious when I heard it. Probably my favorite off-the-record comment that I've heard all season long. Uh, it was one Tennessee player to another Tennessee player saying, hey, such and such, did you hear that the Russians said that we played dirty? And, and they kind of they kind of laughed at that. So, again, I don't think anything FAU has said has been egregious, but they have poked the bear when they didn't have to poke the bear, and I do think it's more of an arrogance to them than a confidence. 33 wins is great. I've, I've said multiple times this week that they're a great basketball team and very capable. Maybe the best non-power six. Yes, I've written that. I've said it. Like, I've given my respect to FAU. I would not be surprised if they beat Tennessee, to be quite honest with you. But they, they put a target on their back. And, like, your 33 wins are great, but it was in Conference USA against teams that aren't the teams that Tennessee beat, like Texas and Alabama and Gonzaga and Michigan State and Kansas and 
USC and and other tournament teams. Tennessee was doing that while you were beating up on no names in in Conference USA. Like that is a thing. Not trying to discredit what all they did, but that is a thing. The level of competition has just been different. And, And hey, look. They've done something Tennessee hasn't done. They beat Florida in Gainesville, and Tennessee could not do that. Granted, that was November 14th when they did that. That was several months ago. Just feels like an entire universe. Um, But also, like, they couldn't beat Ole Miss on the road. Tennessee beat them on the road. So, obviously, that's not going to determine the basketball game. But they they have every right to be confident. But I I think they've been arrogant, and I I really don't think that they know what they're into in for tomorrow night. The beauty of this time of year is uh, we don't have to wait long to find out. Right. That's the good thing. Like football, it can take a while. Right. You can go kind of one. Uh, you know, you got to wait six days. Basketball, you, you got at least a couple games a week. Right. That, that's how it goes. So we don't have to wait very long at all to see that. I, I think I don't know if we need to do like a predictions thing. I think uh, on the podcast, I think we both have said we believe there's a better chance Tennessee wins the game than doesn't. I, I think there are there's a wider array of things Tennessee can do and win this game than Florida at Florida Atlantic. There's a pretty narrow area. They got to land the plane in order to win this game, Uh, but they can do it. They absolutely can. But Tennessee has a little bit more room for error. Now Tennessee doesn't need to think of it like that because if Tennessee thinks of it that way, that gives Florida Atlantic a much better chance to land the plane in that area. So Tennessee needs to take this like it's a win or go home game because it is. They need to take this like a sweet 16 game because it is. Uh, they need to shoot the ball uh, better than they did last time they were in this building be, because they need to do that. There, there are all sorts of things that, that need to happen, but I think I've said I think fly ball turnovers and free throws, if Tennessee handles those two things, I think Tennessee wins the game. Uh, anything else that you want to add, Ben, any keys to the game, anything that we did not mention from today? No, not not really anything to add. I, I agree with you. and I mean, it's the same as the, the Duke game. And if you're a Tennessee fan, the thing that – you should be fearful of this game. It is not the matchup or, or anything along those lines because Tennessee is the better team, and, and what FAU does well, Tennessee does even better in, in those particular areas, defending the three, rebounding the basketball, uh, turning teams over. FAU a high assist team, but Tennessee does a good job of defending, obviously, and then turning teams over. And I, I think Tennessee's physicality, unless the, the, the refs, whoever they are, come in ready to – call everything on Tennessee. I think Tennessee's physicality will will lend in its favor just like it did against Duke. I think Tennessee's experience will will help them as well. FAU a, a young team. Oddly enough, you, you see these FAU types making runs in the tournament and and usually they're veteran teams. You you think back to last year with UTC, a veteran basketball team, the ETSU team that was really really good that didn't get a chance to play in the NCAA tournament because of COVID. That was a vet- very veteran led basketball team Murray State last year, a bunch of veterans. This FAU team is is very young, and I think, again, Tennessee's ex- experience will will play into to their favor. So as long as they just don't have a, a miserable shooting night, which uh, Rick Barnes said today in his post-game well, – not post-game press conference. The game hasn't even been played, dummy. Uh, pre-game press conference. Uh, and he said this multiple times throughout the year. But the thing that – worries him the most and worries coaches the most is just going completely cold shooting the basketball shots just simply not going in because that's a thing that happens in basketball fans in basketball whether fans want to kind of recognize that fairly or or not Uh, so as long as they don't go just absolutely frozen 
<laughs> when shooting the bo- the basketball and they don't turn it over a million times and late game execution isn't just a, a horrid issue like it has been at times like they're going to win this basketball game I, I really do believe that uh, we talked about the landing strip being small against Duke it's, it's not as small against FAU obviously um, so I agree with you just really handle the basics and you're going to be playing in the second ever Elite Eight in program history for a chance to go to the program's first ever Final Four, where you would probably play Alabama for a chance to go to the national championship game. And and boy, is that a, a mouthful of potential uh, there. That that would be quite fun and, and quite the journey. Um, but the question that I want to ask you before we get out of here, because we are allowed to look ahead, is... We're not the players, so again, we're allowed to look ahead. But assuming Tennessee handles business, do you think it would be better for Tennessee to play Kansas State or Michigan State? And I ask it in the sense of I think Kansas State is a better basketball team in terms of roster personnel. But Tom Izzo is Tom Izzo. So would you rather go against the better players or the better coach? I think... I think I would rather go up against Tom Izzo. Uh, Rick Barnes is a great coach. People don't give him enough credit. So I, I think that would somewhat even out. And I know it was November and and, and it was a closed-door scrimmage, but Tennessee beat Michigan State in that closed-door scrimmage before the season got going. There's a familiarity there. I think that's a fascinating conversation. Would you rather play the, the more talented roster in Kansas State and, and have to, to deal with the little guy at point guard, as, as John Calipari said, Marquise Noel, uh, who was absolutely tremendous in that win over Kentucky, Keontae Johnson there. Obviously, Jerome Tang has done a tremendous job at K-State this year. So would you rather deal with that ta- that more talented roster or and the roster may not be more talented because it's Michigan State and they're typically bringing in four and five star guys, but guys that are more proven, better college basketball players at Kansas State or the coach? Like, which one would you rather deal with for for Tennessee to play in the Elite Eight? I think that's a fascinating conversation. It is, and I will tell you straight up, uh, if if my choices are to either – play against a Tom Izzo team in the NCAA tournament or wrestle a bear, I think I'd take my chances with the bear, to be honest with you. I think the the thing about Izzo, and again, like not as many national titles as you would think, like, but still always in this thing, always, almost always making a pretty deep run into this thing. Uh, and I think his players know that too. And I think his players, because of that, Ben, I, I think they get a little bit uh, – more confident this time of year because of that. And I think it makes them a little bit better as a basketball team. Uh, I think even though Michigan state uh, has a little bit of experience against Tennessee, which I think helps a lot of teams, I still think I would rather play Kansas state. Although if you're Tennessee, maybe the reason you want to play Michigan state is because you would still get to wear those cursive uniforms, uh, the cream colored uniforms, which they hadn't lost in this year. So maybe, maybe they would rather play Michigan state so they can keep wearing those creams right there. It's hard to beat them in those uniforms. Nobody's done it this season. So that's a fascinating question. And it's absolutely a question that we, uh, we will talk about uh, after uh, Tennessee wins this game. If, Tennessee wins this game because uh, we will see. Uh, right now, it's got to be all about uh, the Owls. It's got to be all about who who, and uh, then we will uh, get that bridge, cross it uh, if we get to it. Um, and by that, we, I mean me and Ben covering the thing. 
Ben, you got anything else before we step out of here? I'm all good. It'll be a, a fun one. Sweet 16 from the Garden with a chance to go to the Elite Eight and at that point be over halfway done with the mission in the in the tournament, or I guess ha- right at halfway done because you won three at that point and had three more, but only three wins away from the national championship. Whew. And even, like, uh, obviously you want to win the national championship and not just make it to the Final Four, but there would be a lot to be said about this group making it to the Final Four because it's literally never been done in program history. And it's amazing, but it has, in fact... Never been done. But you know, if you're going to do something for the first time, you might as well do it in the greatest uh, arena in the world. You might as well do it there. Uh, ben, thanks for being here, man. And we will see you, uh, I guess, just here pretty soon. Thanks, Wes. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And if you just want Tennessee news on Twitter, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247 uh, where we update that throughout the day, all day, every day, mostly with Tennessee news, uh, but also with news that we think Falls fans will find interesting. Uh, But if you want that best, most delicious East Tennessee Smoky Mountain spring water directly from the source, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets for coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball. Nobody, and I mean nobody, covers Tennessee baseball the way that we do. Also, no one covers the Lady Vols that we do. The award-winning Maria Cornelius does an excellent job covering all things Lady Vols for us all season long. You can get all of that at GoVols247.com. You've also got access there to two forums that run around the clock, got the checkerboard and the summit, where you can go 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and discuss anything you want that is not political or religious in nature with us, with thousands of Tennessee fans across the world, and with us who are on the staff. Uh, and, and no one has a more uh, active board with the, the staff members than us. We are proud to be there all the time answering any question that you've got, and you get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That is all that it costs, and that's after a quick free trial. And once you pay us that reasonable rate, which is, again, less than one mediocre lunch per month, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, uh, which is an excellent, growing behemoth of a streaming arm there with us here at CBS, Paramount, Viacom, etc. You get every show CBS has ever made commercial-free. You get new movies. You get classic movies that rotate in every single month. Uh, You also get just tons of original content, tons of great original Paramount Plus content. And you also uh, get access to the vaults of uh, Nickelodeon, uh, Smithsonian, uh, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, something for the entire family. All of that, all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month. That That is so much stuff. So much stuff. That's a bunch of stuff. Less than one lunch a month. That's all that it costs. So go to GoVols247.com and do that. Take advantage of that. Tell your friends to go do that. Again, thank you for listening. You can always go subscribe to us on every content uh, item, everywhere you can get a podcast. You can get this podcast. So please go do that. Thank you for listening again. And uh, be kind to each other, guys. Just try to be kind to each other. There's just not nearly enough people in this world 
being kind to each other and having basic human empathy and dignity. Let's be better to each other. Let's be good. See you guys.